Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to the Curtain Call podcast. Curtain Call Podcast is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. I'm here with my co-host, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I just I woke up from a long nap, and I'm ready to go. All right. Got that good energy. We're here today. We're going to talk about DeMarvin Leal, and with us to talk about him is our special guest, Russell Gatlin from Good Bull Hunting which is the SB Nation Texas A&M Aggies blog, if I'm correct there. Russell, how are you doing? Hi, guys. No, I'm doing great. Um, always exciting to talk a little football. All right. So DeMarvin Leal, one thing, one thing I want to ask you here is he had a big jump from his sophomore to junior year in college for his last season in statistics and impact on the field. Was he – Starting before then, was he a rotational player? What what explains his his jump up in production his last season? Um, he was an impact player from his freshman year on. Uh, all three years, he he had significant playing time. Uh, he's a five star recruit. He was um, one of the first big lands Jimbo got and Mike Elko got when that staff came uh, to Texas A and M. And yeah, his numbers took a jump his senior year. But if you look at um, just tackles for loss and sacks. He, he had a handful his freshman and sophomore year as well. Um, I think a lot of other pieces came around him this past season with some other playmakers. And that just, it was too much for defenses 
um, the front seven Texas A&M had last year was pretty special, and they were able to to cause havoc. And I think that really helped Leal's numbers. When you watched uh, Leal going into that last year, his senior year, he was you know considered like top five, at, you know, and 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 projected as a first round draft pick. Right. And yeah, he, uh, he that a lot of people expected. Right. I, I, we did too. And mm. he, he tested terribly and I don't, I have not got a reason why, you know, I haven't heard anything injury wise, so I don't want to put that on him. Um, I just know the combine and the pro day, even he did not test well. Uh, the measurables weren't there, mm. but that kind of goes back to that. The pickle you find yourself as an NFL scout, do you trust the tape or do you, you know, how do you weigh that with how, how a guy looks on pro day? And, um, you know, he did have the issue with the arrest uh, after the season with a, you know, I think I think he had a, a little bit of marijuana on him and, and he got picked up for that. But he's, I don't think that's enough either because he's always been a high character kid. He's never gotten in trouble off the field. I think he made one little mistake and I wouldn't expect to, to hear anything off the field from him going forward. Um, like I said, the numbers were there. The kid is athletic as all get out. He's got the build for it. Um, I, I just think the pro day and the, the combine really hurt his draft stock. Now here, he came into Steelers training camp and he talked about he had put on weight and he was back, he was close to around 300 pounds, uh, where at the combine, I believe he was around 280. Do you know where he played uh, when he played in college football? Do you th- do you know which is more his natural weight? Uh, he normally played with us 280, 285. But in Elko's defense, they used his versatility. Um, he would play inside and outside. And so I think he kind of stayed, he stayed flexible. I always thought he was really unselfish in that regard um, because – you know, his freshman and sophomore year, he might not have had the numbers that he did this last year, but he was opening up things for everybody else. Uh, he was a constant double team. Uh, the kid just, you know, high motor kid to me. And he always, wherever he went, he drew attention. Uh, but as far as his playing weight in college, yeah, it would be more close to the 280 mark. I've said from the beginning, he reminds me of a former stiller, Lamar Woodley. And Woodley, they asked him to try to stay in around 270 pounds because they played him on the hit. But watching from uh, Texas A&M, the highlights this year, he started drawing some double teams and some extra attention where he come into his senior year with so much fanfare, and he opened up uh, opportunities for his teammates. Uh, what did What did you see from that aspect? Absolutely. Um, Michael Clemens and Tyree Johnson both had great years. They both were pushing, I believe one had seven and a half sacks, one had eight and a half sacks, along with Leal's eight and a half. Like I said, this front seven this year, they were fun to watch. You know, unfortunately, we had some injuries on the offensive side, so we didn't win as many games as I think, you know, we would have liked. But the defense was a blast to watch. Um, What those guys could do up front uh, in the run game and putting pressure on the quarterback. He, that's why I, I alluded to it earlier. He's a very selfless player. He's a team-first guy, and Mike Elko would move him around. He was inside and outside all three years he was here. And that position flex, I think, should 
carry on to the next level. Now, he left after his junior year when we're seeing a lot of guys stay for that extra COVID year. We're seeing a lot of guys like play five even. I think some players have played six seasons now uh, of football. He left after his third season. Was he at a point where really there was nothing more for him to learn in college where like staying another year would kind of just be stagnating? Or is he a guy who maybe left a little early and may need some time to develop in the NFL? No, I, I don't think he needs the time to develop in the NFL. I really do think you guys potentially <laughs> stole one here. I think he could be a contributor in year one. Um, and that's not the homer in me. You know, we kind of talked a little before this started about Buddy Johnson. I love the kid, but I get it. I get how much playing time he got last year. He's going to have to work his way into it. Um, and Buddy's a great a great young man and he's a hard-nosed downhill type guy i think he fits perfect the stiller mentality you know um but as far as demarvin sure he he might have helped his stock coming back but he's ready and i think him slipping in the draft kind of caught him by surprise um the tools and the talents there uh, so i yeah he got drafted a little later than he wanted but i, I really believe it's all going to work out it works out when you go to an organization like the Steelers with, you know, their history and their culture uh, where I think he's going to be a good fit. I can't get past the versatility factor with him and the fact that you could actually, if he stays around two, 280 to 290, as you, as you said, they used him in college. He could easily step out on the edge for and give, you know, Highsmith or somebody a break. Um, and you know, you could bring in another defensive lineman and cause he can set the edge. He's, he's athletic enough to go out there. And I think that he's going to be a great fit with Brian Flores and, and the blitz package and, and the aggressive nature of, of his defense. Um, did you think he's a better interior pass rusher? Cause I've read a lot of stuff that he's, he lacked first. To, to complete the sack. He gets a lot of pressures, but he doesn't always complete the transaction. Did you see that when he was in school? Yeah, I think it's a tough question. I do think he's a little better on the interior. Um, you know, he got labeled as a tweener, you know, kind of in a negative light, but I don't see it that way. Um, maybe he lacks some of the bend around the edge to be an elite, you know, edge rusher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he can definitely collapse a pocket. His bull rush is nasty. And then once he has you, he'll set you up with that. And then he's got a nice little spin move inside. He'll swipe hard. He's got violent hands. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really bullish on the guy. Uh, I'm going to miss him. I wish he would have came back selfishly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a little better on the inside. But he is so athletic. You can play games with him. You could twist him. You could move him out on the edge if you needed to. Um, I just think the depth and the value you get for somebody like that, it, it's its really a good pick. So you mentioned a lot of stuff that he does here where he's unselfish. He sets up for other players. You've mentioned his athleticism. Uh, you, you just talked about his interior pass rush, his ability to set the edge on outside when he's outside lined up. What would you say is his skill set that he's best at? What does he bring to the to the field that is – the, the biggest thing he's going to add to a defense. Okay. This is kind of twofold to me. 
I don't know how familiar you are with Mike Elko. Um, I, you know, he just took the head coaching position at Duke, but before that he was our defensive coordinator for three or four years before that it was Notre Dame. The guy runs a pretty complex defense and anybody that he coaches, there are smart football players. They get situational defense. You're going to love the way the kid gets football. Like you're going to see him make the right play, not necessarily the flashy play. You're going to, his, so for me, yeah, he's got all the tools to potentially have a really high ceiling. Um, but the reason why I think he's going to be an immediate impact guy, he is a football guy. Like put on the tape, watch him make the right play, the smart play consistently. He is a, like I, like I said earlier, a team first guy. He's a football smart guy. Um, because, you know, we've mentioned his skill set, and it is, it's a little, you could see him play an edge or inside. And so maybe he's not a master of one. You know, he's kind of like the jack of many trades. Uh, I, I just think the value there is his football IQ. Yeah, I was talking to a guy who uh, had scouted him, and he was saying that, uh, well, you know, if you try to put him on the edge for the Steelers, the Steelers edge guys, they got to be able to drop in coverage. And they said, well, you know, he's not had a, a history of dropping into coverage. He hasn't been asked to do that. Right. And I guess it was kind of like when they, you know, Albert Pujols, the first time he ever bunted, everybody's like, well, why are you having him butt? You know, you, you know, that's not his, what you have him in there for. And uh, seen, I have not seen him dropping into coverage. Did you, did he ever get an opportunity to do that? Very little. It would be mainly like covering the flat or, you know, he was good in his perimeter defense. Like when you would, if you go back and watch the Orange Bowl, for example, you know, the, the QB and the, their running game, they had a really good zone option tech. He was great sideline to sideline. He would stretch that out. He would, he would really neutralize the short passing game and the zone read type stuff. I know he had one interception in college, but he really wasn't asked to, to really drop much. Um, and if I don't, if I'm not mistaken, that one pick was like a batted ball situation. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. It's just, like I said earlier, knowing where he's supposed to be, but the actual athletic ability to cover a back in the NFL might be tough. Okay. We talked about his strengths, uh, outside, outside of being asked to drop into coverage. What would you say is his weakness? Like what, what his biggest drawback on the field? I think he still has room to grow um, just with some of the technical aspects. Um, I've, I've seen him grow and mature, but he's still, to me, he is such a raw athlete and he's been asked to do multiple things, which is good to a degree, but I don't think he's really got a chance to hone in certain skill sets. Um, you know, he would work inside for a while, then he'd hop outside. And yeah, like I said, that's great, except, you know, he's not necessarily just really working on some of those technical aspects of what it takes to be a defensive tackle day in, day out in the NFL or, you know, an edge rusher. Um, I read some stuff that on the scouts that, you know, made it sound like he would take plays off. I never really felt like that. I didn't feel like he was a lazy player. I always felt like when he was out there, he was going to, you know, give everything he had and they would try to rotate him in. So if anything, maybe he would get tired at times. Um, but I think that was just the attacking nature of the defense. Um, so they did try to rotate those guys in. So, okay. Did you think that 
he is looking at him uh, at the combine, and he doesn't seem to be uh, extremely fit. I mean, he's but you, we've had one. The Steelers have Alex Highsmith, who come in as a rookie, and he lacked a little bit of strength, functional strength to hold the edge, and maybe a little bit of explosiveness off the snap. We come back his sophomore year last year, and he had improved greatly in both aspects. So you can improve that explosiveness, but he got ripped up to do it. You could tell he really focused on that. Based on what you know of Leal, do you think that's a possibility with him? Because looking at him, a little more cut. Yeah, I think it's – you know, maybe that's the reason he put on some weight is if he knew that the move inside was coming. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, but he was asked to do multiple things here. And so I think he kind of, he'd say flexible. Um, but everything you ever hear about the kid from his teammates and his coaches is, I mean, he's going to put in the work and whatever is necessary, he's going to fill that role. So I would not be surprised to see him. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about the pick. Uh, I enjoy watching guys like that because I feel like, yeah, they can make an impact now, but in two or three years, I would not be shocked Mm -hmm. if he's flirting with Pro Bowl picks, you know. Sounds good. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, For for Steeler fans listening at home, is there any plays or any specific game that stood out to you as being one that people could watch to really see uh, the potential this kid carries anyone where game where he really just stood out. He is a disruptor in most games. Um, I'm trying to think when the, I know the LSU game, pretty much the whole defensive line had their way. Um, that was what was really impressive about Max Johnson. The fact he was still able to win that game. Cause I felt bad for him. He had got sacked about 12 times. <laughs> Everybody I felt like had two or three, um, but he always seemed to show up in big games. So the win against Alabama last year, he flashed that orange bowl a few years ago against North Carolina. He was all over the place. Um, and in that game, I felt, I felt like that was really an overview of who he is. He didn't have any sacks in the orange bowl. He didn't have any tackles for losses. He drew double teams all night. Mm-hmm. He did the little things all night. Um, like I said, he, he would string out Sam Howell when he was trying to get around the edge or do his own option. He's just one of those guys that's, to me, he can do it all. He can do the dirty work or he could take over a game. One of the biggest beneficiaries of that, as you mentioned earlier, was the undrafted free agent that the Steelers just signed, Tyree Johnson. I was shocked that Tyree wasn't drafted. Yes. Because I thought he would be a, a late round draft pick because of his pass rush forte and repertoire. Yes. And, so when I when I realized he went undrafted, I started looking at some of the valuations, trying to figure out why. Because they all say he's got excellent get off and pass rush ability, quick twitch, but they say he leaves much to be desired in the running game. Now I'm not that familiar with him, uh, and so what is your impression? Is, is that really a weakness for Tyree Johnson? I think it's a pretty accurate description. He can be an absolutely disruptive pass force. Uh, pass rush force. Um, he he does. He has the bend and the quick twitch that Leal doesn't off the edge. Uh, but that's his. He's kind of a specialist that way. Um, he would make plays in the run game, but yeah, he definitely has room to grow there. And then I think 
his overall body of work. You know, he really had a great year last year, but before that, he had struggled with a few little injuries or just consistency staying on the field. So, uh, yeah, he's who knows what he'll turn out to be, but he definitely has potential. You know, if if there's a role for him, even if it's like a third down specialist type situation, you know, get after the quarterback package because uh, he definitely can cause some trouble. I, I want to ask you a kind of kind of an off the wall question here. Uh, the Steelers last year drafted Dan Moore Jr. Uh, he played from Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And he ended up starting the whole season for the Steelers. Played a lot. Struggled, had struggles, had good, had good games. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the matchup between the Steelers and the Browns where Dan Moore Jr. was blocking Miles Garrett? Did, did you ever – did you get to see any of that? Uh, honestly, no. Um, that, that would be a fun – a fun one to watch through an Aggie lens um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but no, that doesn't, man, the Maroon goons last year, that was a great group. Um, yeah. We definitely miss more. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just going to keep growing, man. Uh, he's a mauler. Uh, yeah. We, so no. we enjoyed watching him push people around. He, he did yeah. that really well. For sure. Maybe not the most refined, but man, he's a he's a brute. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the nickname stuck for a reason. They were just some goons, man. They would they would push some folks <laughs> around. Hey, I you mentioned Buddy Johnson earlier, mm-hmm. and we talked about him before we started the show. Uh, I'm really intrigued by Buddy. I the one thing you said is he's an attacking downhill linebacker, mm-hmm. and that's what I love in a Steelers linebacker. Uh, that was something that the Steelers lacked last year. They had guys who were more cerebral, whatever reason. Bush used to be more of an attacking linebacker, but trying to come back from that knee injury, I think he lost a little confidence in his push-off. But Buddy, when he did get to play, and it wasn't very much, but in preseason and then a little bit against the Minnesota Vikings, he showed real instincts uh, in attacking the hole, and he seems like he's a really solid tackler. Is that consistent with what you saw in college? Absolutely. He's a thumper. Um, and the instincts are there. I think he's a smart player. He, he'll, when he tackles you, you're going to remember. Um, he had a, you know, kind of a career defining moment his senior year at AM whenever that was a tight game with Florida and we needed to stop. He didn't, he didn't just get the stop. He knocked the ball out and mm. caused a fumble and that turned the whole game and we were able to upset him. Um, but like I said, buddy, I think he – I don't want it to be a knock. It's its like modern-day linebacker. Maybe he's not the perfect mold because he is so downhill and physical. And now, you know, to have a linebacker that can cover and be multiple is – and I get it. You know, the offenses have changed and got so explosive. I really do hope Buddy finds a way to, to stay on the field. You know, if, if you could put him in the middle and – let him do his thing and give him some protection on the back end. Uh, he could be a, a really solid contributor. All right, Russell, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for, for mm-hmm. talking with us. Uh, before you head out, is there anything you want to plug, let people know where they can read your work? Oh, sure. Uh, goodbullhunting.com. Uh, it's GB hunting. That's the Twitter handle is at GB hunting. Uh, normally I, I just write during the season, I'll do a, like a scouting report on who a and playing. And then I'll do a, like a film room recap after the fact. 
Um, but there's a lot of talented contributors and there's some fun stuff we do. Uh, we try not to stay too serious, but we, we, we cover the football too and other sports for that matter. But uh, yeah, it's a good group of guys. So if anybody's ever interested on up and coming Aggies that might be Pittsburgh Steelers one day, uh, definitely check us out. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining us. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for us. Nice beer, buddy. Thanks. You too. It's good to meet you guys. <laughs> All right, Shannon. Where do you think DeMarvin Leal is going to fit in to this defensive line? Do you think he has space to be a contributor? And, and I just want to clarify before I answer, because we have right now word is they're expecting Stefan Tuitt to come back. Tyson Alualu resigned. Cameron Hayward is still Cameron Hayward. Mm-hmm. And then behind them, we have Isaiah Loudermilk, who looked good last year. We've got Chris Wormley, who had seven sacks. Montrevious Adams came up and played really well for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's six defensive linemen, and that's the number of linemen the Steelers usually carry on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're just looking at a pure numbers game, DeMarvin Leal is potentially fighting for a roster spot let alone getting snaps. And the Steelers, I mean, there's almost always injuries. But if everyone's healthy going into the season, how much room is there going to be for DeMarvin Leal to actually, you know, have impact on this team? Yeah, I thought the same thing on draft night. And I said, well, this is just a a guy who is a tweener. And it's the insurance case, too, it doesn't come back. And I thought, well, if they think two it is a coming back, they're going to ask him to gain 20 pounds and play it around 300 and give him minutes out there at the end. If not, I figured they would ask him to to get some minutes at the end and some on the edge. Because, you know, that way you have what? Highsmith and Leal. And I think he can set a good edge and can get some pass rush, even if he isn't particularly bendy. I think he can get faster and get a better explosiveness, you know, if he if they do ask him to go down a little bit and wait. But this first year, like you said, the way the numbers are looking, there's more of an opportunity at edge than there is on that defensive line. So I think that his versatility might help him make the squad and make a contribution. And of course, we're all hoping to it comes back. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hoping, hoping Stefan to it and Tyson to it. <laughs> yeah. All, we're all hoping Stefan to it and Tyson Alualu aren't just, you know, on the roster and active, but they're, they're back in form. Uh, both of them with those, I mean, to it missed an entire year mm. with a knee injury and, and incredible personal tragedy. Uh, so that's, yeah, there's, there's question marks there. And, and Leal certainly could have an opportunity to have a big role in this defense. What do you, I think it's interesting that we do have, you know, with uh, Tyree Johnson, we have three Aggies on this defense. We've had a couple of them that have played together here. Obviously, Buddy Johnson was playing behind DeMarvin Leal for, for a number of seasons. Do you think that holds an advantage for young guys trying to make their mark on the roster? Like Buddy Johnson's clearly going to be in his second year. DeMarvin Leal coming in and fresh when they can play with someone that they have multiple seasons of experience with from a, even if it's from a different system. Do you think that's an advantage, Shannon, or do you think that it's the NFL, it's a different defense, it's not going to carry over? I think it's an advantage for quite a few reasons. 
any of us in our workplace, if we go in and we have somebody that we worked with previous or went to school with, there's a comfort compatibility. We know at least with one person, uh, if, you know, in this case, there's a couple of people that he'll be, he'll know. And uh, so you have somebody who's already went through that rookie year and that learning experience that he's familiar with a friend probably. And so buddy can offer him a lot of insights and say, you really need to focus on this. This is what, you know, before it had been coach Butler, but now it's, you know, coach Austin and coach Tomlin, this is what they're going to be looking at. And if they, if you, they see that, you know, this playbook, because you know how the Steelers are that if you don't know the playbook, for a while there, that's what kept Ulysses Gilbert III off the field. That yep. Allen knew the playbook better. And Allen's a converted safety. It has no business yeah. in land because of his knowledge of the playbook. So I think there's a real advantage there that Buddy Johnson's already there and has went through this. Sounds good. Now, there's some news moving off of DeMarvin Leal. There's some big news that the Steelers, that dropped for the Steelers here. Uh, with basically confirmation that Omar Khan is going to be the next Steelers GM. Uh, how's that move strike you, Shannon? What are your thoughts? Well, I was confused at first because, you know, I always think of Khan is the, is the cap guy, you know, he's really good work getting guys, uh, under contract and, and helping keep the Steelers, um, team together, you know, where they, they were, could have lost some guys in the past and he figured out a way to make all that work. But I didn't, I don't know how knowledgeable he is in the scouting department, but then they hired the, um, I don't know how to say his last name from the Eagles. Yeah. Weidel. Weidel. I think it's right. Weidel. To kind of take over, really they're replacing cover with a two headed monster. Uh, and then they brought in an assistant to uh, Weidel with uh, Sheldon White from the Detroit Lions. So I, I think they're, you know, that shows you a lot what what Hunt meant to Colbert, and the fact that Colbert leaves, Hunt probably will leave. I don't see how they're going to work that out. If you know, um, like we talked about on Slack today, it, it's almost like he's he's gone, but yeah. they're replacing these two with three <laughs> yeah yeah i also i find it interesting that uh omar khan joined the steelers in 2001 one year after kevin colbert joined uh and they've they've worked together that whole time and then kevin colbert is stepping into the background omar khan is stepping in i actually i, I was i I've had my my thought process has been going through several phases on this, but I've been thinking with Kevin Colbert sticking around, it makes a lot of sense if he's sticking around to kind of mentor and be an advisor. With Omar Khan being the GM, there's not really a competition there. Where if if Kevin Colbert is taking that same role with a Brandon Hunt, who's been with the Steelers since 2010, uh, when Kevin Colbert was named the GM and Brandon Hunt was put in charge of pro scouting they've they've been doing this job like he's he's been in that scouting department he knows how to run a scouting department Colbert sticking around would be like you know what is your role here like what what is your job here 
what is it about your job that Brandon Hunt mm -hmm. needs help with? Whereas with Omar Khan, it makes more sense because Omar Khan isn't that side of the game. Yeah, it was somebody shared uh, a tweet about how many times Khan has been interviewed uh, for a GM position. And, you know, I think a lot of people looked at him like we did is, is a numbers guy, and that's why they wanted him. But they were concerned about, you know, how strong he was on the scouting side. But Khan is being that like other teams besides the Steelers. And many times they've been like, man, I wish we had Khan because he yeah. would have figured out a way to make that work. We might not have lost this guy or that guy. And I think we kind of took it for granted as Steeler fans that they, that, you know, he did some really good work there through the years, but you know, like you said, he has had so much experience. And so there, that's going to help Waddle or if I'm saying his name wrong, I apologize, but it's going to help him in his transition in. I kind of thought he might have an advantage where he is a Pittsburgh guy and he has some history with the team. Now, the last couple of times we've seen a new GM for the Pittsburgh Steelers, their first couple of drafts have really shown up, have, have been major, majorly important drafts. Uh, with some big-time talent, some some absolute stars coming through. But Kevin Colbert kind of went out with some really good additions. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick was a trade, but, I mean, anyone looks at the drafting of T.J. Watt, that's an incredible pick. Uh, obviously, the best player in that draft. Uh, do you think it's that there's a chance we could see that kind of new blood come in and have a few drafts where – Maybe the Steelers do better than they're, they've been doing normally simply because there's new people in, or do you think that's that's kind of overblown? I think it will depend on how much influence Colbert still has. We know the way he likes to do things. There's been a lot of talk today is about could the Steelers start trading back a little more? Could they – be more aggressive, you know, trading first round picks for proven established talent and some stuff is not being in Colbert's comfort zone. I think with Khan coming in, I don't see that happening because I think he's going to be more apt to hold the status quo. Now, with why they're going to lean on him as far as uh, what kind of impact he'll have on that scouting and those decisions. But uh, they, that's something that they could try to look at in, in becoming a little bit more modern, you know, up to date, uh, acquiring even future picks. Because you like, what was it? The whole fourth round, I think the Baltimore Ravens had half of the picks or something. It was crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are, are depending on where they are in their development as a contender. They're starting uh, players and, and and current picks for future picks uh, because they don't have too many openings on the roster. So hopefully the stores will get to that point. Absolutely. Shannon, is there anyone you are really looking forward to seeing during OTAs? Anything, anyone you're really looking forward to right now uh, that, that could be getting a chance or might be flying under the radar? that you're looking at with the Steelers and saying, you know, this this is my story 
uh, for this OTA section, I, I believe we're about to wrap up the, this, this current one uh, here a day or two. Is there, is there any story from that you are really looking for, anything you're really looking to, to take, out, take away from this uh, OTA session? Uh, well, it would have easily been to it if he would have showed up. Because that, that was the one yeah. I was really – I feel a lot better about the whole situation uh, on the defense if we when we know something. And I – you know, it's, it's that they got to say, hey, you know, you got to let us know, man. It, you know, we can't, we can't do this. We can't go through this again. Because they still have time to bring somebody else in and, you know, maybe Hicks, some free agent like that, and get them acclimated. We can't wait to the last minute again and do another Joe Sherbert like they had to do last year. But as far as me, I, I guess I'm still, you know, we just talked about him, but Buddy Johnson and Mark Robinson, I I really want, even if it's only a few play games, because I just don't think that Jax and Bush is going to be able to hold up well. Um, it, is being the two main linebackers. If they do, they're still going to need somebody behind them. And I think that Buddy could play a real role there and and being that downhill guy. I love Splane. I know we all do. I mean, he is he is a hard-nosed guy, overachiever. But his limited athleticism limits his impact um, when he's trying to come up um, – you know, he just, he doesn't have that. I think he's a four, seven, something guy. These other guys we're talking about are, you know, four five, four six, and, and it, it makes a difference. And uh, so, yeah, to me, it would be either one of them young uh, inside linebackers. All right. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good one to look at. I've, I've of course been trying to watch all the, all the stuff with the rookies, but with OTAs, you know, <laughs> like what, you, what really are you looking at? Uh, I loved I loved in our, our Slack channel they showed the clip of uh Miles Jack and Devin Bush took reps back and forth and we were kind of like uh I think it was Jeff Hartman and I were going back and forth being like, Oh look, you know, I think Devin Bush was slightly faster on that. He's clearly linebacker number <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> uh just joke obviously just joking around. Yeah. But it it is nice to see something on the field, uh, but it's also kind of a reminder of just how far we are away from meaningful football. Uh and yet we're we're desperate for literally anything yeah. on the field. Hey, did oh, you man. see uh did you see Anthony McFarland? I did not. On the OTAs, the first of each quarterback hitting the it was just a little, you know, in breaking route, but he had to, to you know to push out push the linebacker off and then cut in. And he first rep, he goes down, he slips and falls over his own feet, goes down. Everybody was talking about that. Said, said he still can't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, right. he's one of those guys I keep I keep rooting for because you want to yeah, see yeah. that speed. You want to see that speed come to play on the field, and it just this has not happened. Oh, but that's funny. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I, I I found this entire I find this entire. Uh, Offseason, very, very interesting. There's so many storylines mm -hmm. with the Steelers. So many new faces, uh, old players moving on, questions about Tua and Alu Alu. Uh, you know, the change of quarterback. 
You can't underrate that. This is the first real quarterback change we've had in almost 20 years. Is this is this the most exciting OTAs and, and early offseason we've had? Is this the most, you know, potential roster battles and things and, and most important ones that we've had in a while? Or are there are there are there other years that you're sitting there you can think of that that mirror this year or even more? Well, as a fan since the 70s, um, this is different. At the end of the, the 70s and early 80s, you know, again, it was a free agency. You've seen all of the stiller stars gradually grow old and, and fade away. So you never it's like this with Ben walking away and the team – you know, a couple of good drafts and some smart free agency signings away from being a contender again. And then in the nineties, um, there was a couple of times that, that they felt like they got close, you know, lost in the AFC championship game and, and uh, the Super Bowl. But then of course, all that, you know, uh, craziness around Neil Don on him leaving. And so you never had that feeling in the nineties. So, Basically, so in, in my lifetime, let's say 50 years, I don't ever remember an offseason like this one. Yeah, it's there's, there's so much there. And yet, even with all that turnover, there's a lot of talent on this team, and there's a lot of hope that, that this mm -hmm. team could be significantly improved. I, I mean, last year, Najee Harris, you know, Pat Fryer moves, added some, injected some life into the offense. But even then, as rookies in, in an offense that, that didn't quite fit the, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's last season, they didn't get used the best. There was the struggles on the offensive line, the injury to Dotson, you know, the, the rotations at center. This team feels like there's a lot of potential here, and yet everywhere there's tons and tons of questions. How do you feel that that balance works out? Do you think that's kind of it plays into it? There's so much unknown stuff that we can sit here and and have pipe dreams and say, oh wow, the Steelers could be really good if all these players, you know, grow and turn out and they're really good. Or or is this a team that really, in spite of all these question marks, has a real chance to be a significantly better team than they were last year? Yeah, to me, this team, it's all how you look at it. I think that this is a rebuilding team with a lot of talent. Sometimes you start a rebuild and you're at the bottom. I mean, you're the Detroit Lions, let's say, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you have to rebuild a complete roster. And you might have one or two. This team has a lot of superstars, guys who really have superstar ability. When you use T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward. Uh, I mean, Harris has come out this in OTAs and the guys are saying he looks bigger, but he looks faster. He looks more explosive. So he's put the work in and give this guy a, a, an average line, please. If you give him an average line, he is going to show some people that he can be a dominant running back. I mean, he just can, he does things that guys his size shouldn't be able to do. So this team has a lot of a foundation to build on. And so I think that, How they you have to look that they're not there yet, and they're in a tough division where everybody's is good or getting better. But the Steelers, you make a couple of you know smart moves, they're right there with them. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's going to be a lot. There's a lot to look forward this, to this offseason, mm-hmm. and it's going to be an exciting uh, approach into 2022 this year to see to see what this team ends up being with what we hey, can see right now. GB, I got a. I know they said that Kendrick Green took snaps at center and at guard. And they're saying that he might be in the uh, left guard competition with Kevin Dotson. And they said he looks bigger this year. And I see pictures of him. The only problem is you can really get bigger. You can put on muscle and mass, but you can't get longer. Nope. And his arms is not going to get any longer. And there's a maximum how much on a little over 6'1 weight he could put on. Um, To me, this is it's smoke and mirrors. I don't think that anybody think the green is going to be the start. I think this is a kick in the butt for Dodson. It's a little motivation, some competition saying we want you to focus because like I said, all along, he is not the perfect fit for this new zone blocking scheme. He he could do it, but he's got to be willing to work on the fundamentals that he'll need to, to overcome, you know, some of his shortcomings. And I believe that's why all this is going on with Kendrick Green, because I really don't believe. I mean, you could slide Cole out to guard, and I'd believe it. And they got Dodson, but Green is not an option at guard. What do you think? Of- I see. I agree with you, Shannon. The Steelers, like you go with Ramon Foster, David DeCastro, Matt Filer, Kevin Dodson, James Dan. These are big dudes. The Steelers like big, brutal, brute force guards that can just maul people, right? Mm -hmm. They don't invest highly in tackles. They like athletic centers. And then in between, they like to have those guards that are just maulers, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to beat people up. Kevin Dotson's exactly that guy. Mm -hmm. He's exactly that guy. He may not be the best fit for Canada system, but Canada system... The outside zone part, but Canada's system still has a lot of inside runs, still has a lot of, you know, run up the middle stuff going on in it. And that's Kevin Dotson. He mm-hmm. made that, he makes your whole line look good. When he was there, oh man, uh, Detroit in week 10 before Kevin Dotson went down, I think it was the weaker and the like the week or the two weeks before that, that left side of the line, mm-hmm. Dotson, uh, What's his name on the outside? Dan Moore Jr. on on at left tackle, and even Kendrick Green at center <laughs> were just mauling people and just just wreaking havoc in the run game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to forget that when we know that they're not happy with the work Kevin Dotson is kind of putting in or the work that they want him to put in that he's not doing, and think, well, then they'll replace him with someone new. But. Yeah, I, I, I've said it before. I don't think Kendrick Green, if it's a real competition based on going in there and actually blocking and moving defenders off the ball, I don't think anyone on this roster can beat Kevin Dotson in that kind of a straight-up competition. If it's simply Kevin Dotson can't do the whole playbook and so we can't play him, then I understand him being out. Uh, but But if it's a competition of who can actually do the job, man, Kevin Dotson is going to be hard to get out of that position. And I was I was just running a film room on uh on the Steelers on uh what's his name? Joe Hegg. 
mm-hmm. for, the, for the Vertex Dave, Dave and I are doing this week. And one of the things that stood out is he came in week 10. Dotson went down. Hassenhauer came in at left guard. Trey Turner went down in that same game. B.J. Finney had, was inactive and you know wouldn't play again, wouldn't play for quite a while for the Steelers again. And Kevin Dotson went down, and so Joe Hegg went in at right guard. Uh, Trey Turner went down. Joe Hegg went in at right guard for Trey Turner. Then week 11, Trey Turner's back. They started Hassenhauer at left guard and Trey Turner at right guard because Hegg's their you know, backup tackle. Mm. When he snaps into the game, they're replacing Hassenhauer with Hegg because Hassenhauer mm. can't get push in the run game. He's a center. And he's about the same size as Kendrick Green. And when you look at Hassenhauer mm-hmm. play center, he was doing the things that we want to see Kendrick Green get better at as a center. But when he moved to guard, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And I think that's that says something about the NFL and, and the size limitation that, man, you can get away with that when you're in college. But when you're in the NFL, those defensive mm-hmm. tackles, if you're undersized, man, you you better be really special or they're going to they're gonna just manhandle you. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Cole is is fundamentally um, – I've said all along, I think James Daniels could be a Pro Bowl center. I mean, he was great at Iowa. Uh, I think that the Steelers value him more at guard. But I think Mason Cole – in this system, in Canada's system, and with what I've seen from him, I think he can really excel at center. And I might need another season as a backup, let's say, and and maybe backup center, uh, and maybe he can even fill in a guard a little bit. But I think he's going to have the same problem, like you said, that Hassanauer has. I just do not think you can be a full-time guard in the NFL with those arms that short. Somebody said they mentioned two other guys. Well, we're talking about two of all the guards in the NFL whose arms yep. as short as them. There's always, you know, the exception to the rule. But, you know, but we're talking about this is the rule. And and, and you, you hear guys 34, 35 in here. That's not what we're dealing with. So, um, yeah, I, I think that Dodson uh, will, will solidify that left guard. Last year when – they said that the Steelers were were not happy with his conditioning. Uh, I heard that it was they wasn't happy with his off-season training regimen because they had asked him to work on his footwork and some other things, whereas he worked more on his power. And they were frustrated that he was making some of the mistakes in year two that he was. And so the, the report of them being unhappy with him was accurate. It was just for the wrong reason. And I think that that he might need a different kind of motivation. And I think that's why that you're seeing them calling it a competition between Dotson and Green. Because if it really is a competition, Dotson's gonna win that. Oh yeah, they get to preseason games and, and Dotson's in that he's just gonna throw people around until they get <laughs> the job. Like like that's gonna be his approach. And I think that's kind of the problem is his approach is well, like they're like, we need you to work on your footwork so you're more you know, reliable and you're better on these outside runs. And his thing is like, you know what? Instead yeah. of that, I'm just going to throw people around more. And that's kind <laughs> of like the Steelers are kind of like, we also, we like that, but we want you to learn these other things too. Also. All also. right, Shannon. <laughs> great show. Great having, great 
being with you as always here on a Wednesday night. Uh, Shannon, let us know, let everyone know what you've got coming up and where they can uh, read your stuff and listen to you. Well, is the only thing right now is uh, working on another article, but my post today about Anthony Miller and how shocked I was last year when the Steelers was given all the slot reps to Ray Ray McLeod when Miller is a better and more accomplished slot receiver with better hands. And and I offered a possible explanation for that is the fact that Ben was comfortable with Ray Ray. He knew Ray Ray had a history with him, and he didn't know Miller. And, you know, there's a comfort level there. You know a guy's going to break, and and, and, and he's going to get to the spot. And, and I think last year, because of the line and everything else, he didn't want the uh, any more changes than necessary. So uh, hopefully this year Miller will get a more – uh, real opportunity to show what he can do and, and maybe make the team. But uh, that's out there. And, um, and other than that, you know, I think it was a strong show and, uh, and uh, it was great having uh, uh, Russell on as a guest and uh, getting to talk about, we didn't just talk about Le- Leal. We talked about uh, Terry Johnson. We talked about, but Johnson, we, <laughs> So we, we covered a lot tonight. So I think it was a good show. Yep. And as always, you can check out my stuff on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I, I mentioned it. The Steelers Vertex is coming out uh, covering Joe Hegg and what he brings to the team as a, as a very position versatile uh, offensive lineman. Uh, so for, for all of us here at Behind the Steel Curtain, thank you for listening. Keep listening to all the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. And check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers as we go through the offseason and cover everything in the lead-up to training camp, coming back to Latrobe again in St. Vincent. Everything for this offseason, Behind the Steel Curtain is your source for whatever you want to hear, all the different topics. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Let's go Steelers. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.